Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by The Beer Keller, Liverpool One. Hello and welcome back to A View from the Bullens and we are back once again for the weekly catch-up as always. I'm joined by The Bobble and we've got a special guest today from Cleveland, Ohio. No, it is not LeBron James, but we will get onto this very shortly. Bobble, the weather's getting brighter. I've got my shorts on. Mm-hmm. You haven't got quite got yours on yet, have you? You've got a lovely set of pins on you. <laughs> they all say that. That's my ex-footballing days. You've been shaving your legs again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but anyway, we've got a guest on here, Kevin Clark. He is the special guest from Cleveland, Ohio. Kevin is never Tony's currently over here visiting Liverpool and has been a subscriber for the podcast for a number of years. And we thought we'd give him a little look around the studio and thought, why not? Throw him in at the deep end and grill him about his time as an Evertonian. First and foremost, Kevin, why did you choose this life of misery being an Evertonian? Well, well, I think we all love the lash, you know, so that's, that's the, probably the first thing, but, you know, born, not manufactured. So it felt, felt more like a, a natural decision than a choice. And, uh, where I come from in Cleveland is very much like Liverpool. It's working class underdog kind of vibe. So yeah, it just, it spoke to me as a club about 20 some years ago and the rest is uh, a sad history. <laughs> and you have actually picked the days where it actually is sunny over the River yeah. Mersey and it's not raining like it had done since October. <laughs> but first and foremost, what we do on these ones, we touch back on the week in general. And Bobble, you did have your rant last week and it was some rant. I had a numerous amount of text saying the Bobble is on one. We love when the Bobble rages. So you've had time to digest, time to calm down. Mm-hmm. What was the feeling now obviously looking back at that game last Saturday against Fulham 
Yeah, disappointment, wasn't it? Obviously losing to Fulham, it was, I think we all earmarked it as a, as a game that Everton should pick up three points or at least avoid defeat, worst case. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of a rant. I was, I was just frustrated. You know, first and foremost, above all, I was, I'm an Evertonian uh, I'm an, and I'm an Everton fan, first and foremost. So things do get emotional. You know, you do get a bit upset when things don't go well, but... I was more upset of the application that the players put in. I thought they phoned it in, but also Sean Dyche didn't set them up right. And I thought, like I previously said on a number of podcasts now, he got the Manchester United system wrong when we lost at Old Trafford just a couple of weeks ago in a 4-4-2 system. And then he went with the same 4-4-2 system again against Fulham, obviously without Amadou Nana, who was injured with a groin injury. So I just didn't really understand the logic behind it. And the fact that when Everton went 1-0 down in both games, he reverted back to a 4-5-1 immediately. So I was very, very frustrated that one, Sean Dyche didn't set him up right, but second of all, the players didn't apply themselves correctly. Um, and it's all very well, you know, we're all sitting here thinking we need a better atmosphere at Goodison Park, but sometimes you need a little bit of give from the players and it wasn't there against Fulham. I think they let themselves down. I think the staff and Sean Dyche let themselves down. It was a poor performance from all involved, which I previously said, but Fulham has been and gone now. We've got to look ahead. We've got to take it game by game. Results went our way. Okay, it was a missed opportunity for Everton. We could have been seven clear of Southampton, five clear of Leicester, three clear of Nottingham Forest with a better goal difference, so effectively four points. We didn't, we failed, but all the other teams didn't pick up anything as well. So that's the one positive from the weekend that Everton found themselves still outside the relegation zone. But it's all eyes on Crystal Palace now. We've got to forget about the Fulham game for sure. So there we have it, a bit of a calm bobble on that one. <laughs> but Kevin, I'll ask you, you were at the game as well. Um, you did manage to get pitch side as well mm-hmm. against Fulham. What were your views on the game overall? Well, as a first experience there, it was, you know, it's incredible to be in Goodison, especially before it's gone. And that was a, a big part about wanting to get there sooner than later. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've watched games, uh, every game on, on TV at home, and, and it's felt louder coming out of the TV speakers, it felt a bit sleepy, a little dreary. And I don't know if it was apprehension, if it was a little nervy, but you're right. It, it, it felt kind of like everyone was had, had a date afterwards. Everyone had something <laughs> to get to afterwards. You know? So it was a little, uh, it was a letdown, but win or lose, you're blue, you know, so you're there for it. Yeah. Win or lose, we're on the booze, aren't we? But <laughs> obviously on that, Kevin, um, Bobble, I'll, I'll ask you now. Mm-hmm. Goodison did feel, it's a very good point, actually. It did feel a bit... <clears throat> Nervy. Subdued. I felt like we needed some sort of controversy, a controversial mm-hmm. decision, because when it gets going, it gets going. But it didn't really, nothing was given back to the fans, was that he feed off the energy of the players and it didn't really show, did it? Yeah, it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Sometimes players feed off a crowd, but then sometimes crowd feed off players, doesn't matter what club it is. And unfortunately, the players were flat and that then went into the stand and the, 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 the atmosphere was flat. What it needed was a big tackle or controversial decision to go against us, which then makes us turn against the referee or turn against the opposition. It, it, it needed a baddie, so to speak. And I remember when we beat Crystal Palace last, uh, you know, right at the end of last season when we won 3-2, uh, AU put in a horrific tackle and it, it turned the game on a six-punt. The crowd turned. It was us against them. We had a pantomime villain and it changes the, 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 the tide a little bit. That's what it needed against Fulham. It needed something just to get our teeth into, but it didn't come. Um, we needed a big tackle from somebody, just just anything to get us going. It wasn't there. It happens. Sometimes games can be flat. It was a flat game, but as much as we all think, you know, the fans need to raise the atmosphere at Goodison Park and drag the players over the line, with respect, sometimes the players need to return the favour. It can't be on the fans all the time. And I just thought that game, Sean Dyche, one got it wrong, like I previously said, but the players could have maybe applied themselves a bit better 
rolled up their sleeves a bit more, put in a few tackles, maybe even take a few yellow cards, you know, just make it a bit nasty. And normally, Goodison Park then does respond. Um, but yeah, it goes hand in hand. And it was just one of those days, wasn't it? When you look back, it just it was just very, very flat from start to finish. I think all the motivation you need is Anthony Taylor walking out in the middle because I hate him. Mm-hmm. He's the worst referee in the Premier League. I, I, I actually think that he started off really poorly as well. And I thought, oh, we're going to get up for this. Then we went 1-0 down. I just think Goodison was like, oh no. I think it was a realisation of, oh my God, we're here again. We're, we're, we are literally is back to a war zone for me. It felt like speaking to people where obviously I sit and people around me, they said, they've woke up now, we're in danger. This is like, this is it. This They felt like Burnley away last year. Obviously the 3-2 defeat down at Turf Moor when we were driving home, we were going, oh my God, I can't see a way out. But there were seven games left, seven cup finals. We're not down and out. We've been here before last year. Hopefully that experience will then drag us over the line. But just quickly, Bobble. Dominic Mm -hmm. (laughs) Calvert-Lewin, the talk of this season. (laughs) Exactly. So obviously it was a a weird week at Everton, especially the media team. We've seen so many pictures, butterflies, training videos, pictures, tweets about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Didn't even feature odd decision. Under different regimes, he'd have been put on the bench for the game against Fulham. No doubt about it. Frank Lampard and Rafa Benitez would have both had him in the match they squad. Sean Dyche is a little different. Whether you agree with that or not, he is a little different. And hence why Everton then played the behind closed doors game on Tuesday. That was all in aid of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. My opinion, should Calvert-Lewin have been in the squad? I think so. I think he should have been, even if he wasn't to come off the bench. I think it would have just given the crowd a bit of a boost. Got Dominic Calvert-Lewin in and around the matchday squad, warming up, getting the feel for it again. Even when he went down to warm up in front of Gladys, imagine the, the roar, the applause that he'd have got. Again, he didn't have to come on. Because in reality, we had a few players on that bench against Fulham that were never going to come on anyway. So why not put Dominic Calvert-Lewin in there? He was medically fit. Whether he was Deutsch fit, as we've always spoken about, is another thing. But he was medically fit. So he could have been on the bench. Deutsch chose not to. He didn't think it was right. He wanted him to overcome Tuesday first before being considered. Who are we to argue? Because previous regimes have got it so wrong with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and have arguably contributed to his injuries, you know, injury worries, injury concerns. Um, but I would have just liked to seen him on the bench. And I know what we've all spoken about, you know, the, the Everton media team had put tweets out of him training. And and, and I'm sure everyone in, in around Finch Farm and the club were excited as well, because to see our number nine back training with the first team, and it wasn't just bit part training, Ben, it was full training, as I've spoken about. It's a massive boost, isn't it? And everyone's a bit excited to see our number nine back. We all know he's irreplaceable, just how big of a player he is, but he's also a huge character in the dressing room as well. So, yeah, disappointment for him not to be on the bench. I think everyone maybe got a little bit ahead of themselves. But ultimately, the decision ends with Sean Dyche. The book stops with him. He's the manager. And if he doesn't seem, you know, if he doesn't feel fit to put Dominic Cavalier on the bench for a game, then you can't argue with that. Ultimately, we can't. I know we're, we're struggling. We're fighting relegation. We want to see him back. But Dyche is going to handle it the way he wants to handle it. And like I've said, previous managers have done things differently and got it completely wrong. And Dyche is choosing to do it this way. So who who are we to argue when it comes down to it? But my opinion, there was no reason why he couldn't be on the bench. No reason at all. Kev, just off topic, you just mentioned before about obviously watching the games on obviously the TV and yeah. stuff like that over the pond in the States. What time is it actually over there when these games are on? Because I have no no clue about the, uh, was it the Greenwich Meridian or something? Like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't listen to you guys anyways. But, yeah. uh, 
the earliest game is going to be like for the East Coast time zone, which is where I am, is the uh, a seven thirty kickoff. So seven thirty in the morning, I think, is your twelve thirty kickoff. Yeah, and then so then there's a bundle of games at ten, and that's you know kind of going on. Then there's usually a later game, like a twelve thirty or something like that, which you know I think is your night night kickoff essentially. But uh, well, I wanted to ask you, Bubble, is so where do you draw that line with DCL? At what point in a season, you fit or not? We need your head. We need your your leap. Like, where? When does that happen? I think it was that Fulham game mm. because he'd overcome. It was around eight or nine days worth of in and out and training. So we didn't train for those full nine days. I think we trained for around six of those nine days, and he'd completed all six over those nine days before Fulham. So he trained actually before Manchester United away. So, but effectively, it was nine days. So I think he should have been in the squad. That's my opinion. He was medically fit. Mm. And I agree with what you're trying to say there. Everton have, you know, before Fulham game, eight games remaining. And arguably probably needed to win three of them. But we'd all earmark that Fulham game as one of the games that was a winnable game, especially being at Goodison Park and Fulham being wretched form. So I just think he should have been on the bench. It would have lifted the fan base. It lifted the crowd. lifts the team as well, doesn't it? And it also it keeps Fulham thinking... Fulham have to sit there and think, oh, Dominic Cavalier might come on for 20 minutes here. We, we, do we need to change our system? Do we need to not make a substitution just in case Everton throw Dominic Cavalier on? It keeps people thinking, it keeps people guessing. So I, I get exactly what you're saying. And Ben actually texted me before the game regarding that. You know, at what point do you have to start rolling the dice and going, well, you're medically fit. You're now going to play and you're going to give us 60 minutes. I, like I say, I personally think as an Evertonian, as a fan, he should have been on the bench. Rafa Benitez was throwing him in at 60-70% fit but then obviously two, three games down the line he was then breaking down and he was then out for six, eight, nine, ten weeks at a time. Frank Lampard tried to be that go-between. He would leave him on the bench or not play him but then ask him to play a week later the full 90 and then say, right, you've got the next game off you know, to recover and Dominic found that difficult. He'd stiffen up, he'd get tight, he'd be sore um, and then ultimately then fatigue sets in, in the muscles and he'd start to cause strains and but with, what, seven games remaining now, it's almost do or die, isn't it? For every club in the relegation zone, it's do or die. And I'm sure if you ask Leeds fans, you know, they have Patrick Bamford, who in reality is there, Dominic Carver-Lewin. He can't stay fit. He comes in and out of teams, in and out of games, shall I say. If you ask Leeds fans, do you want to get, start throwing the dice on Patrick Bamford? I think they'd all say, yeah, let's start rolling the dice now for the last seven. I think it contributed, didn't it, to like the feel at Goodison. I think people went, oh, where is he now? What's mm. going on? Is there another injury? Is there something else going on? So I think obviously when you had your 12 minute exclusive on Twitter and you, you, you tweet, tweet the news and stuff that, you know, everyone was going, oh no, where is he? Where is Dominic? But anyway, on to the midweek. So let's talk about the midweek news. We discussed a few things on the media roundup. First and foremost, Chester won Everton nil. <laughs> you know, it, it's a training game for me. I understand. We, we beat Aston Villa 2-0 behind the closed doors training game just before the season kicked off again. I think Frank Lampard was still the manager. The meaningless, the players play a 30%. That game, bubble. obviously that was the result. That was just put on for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was as simple as that. The whole game was built for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It was scheduled early last week for the Tuesday um, they told Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the Friday that he wouldn't be featuring on the Saturday against Fulham, but he'd be playing just over 60 minutes. Well, scheduled 60, but he ended up playing just over 60 against Chester on the Tuesday. So the, the whole game was put on for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, no other reason. We can all look at the, you know, who featured in it, the likes of Connor Cody, Yerry Mina, Abdullah Decore, who was obviously suspended, Tom Davies, Ellis Sims, but they're all playing it with respect, 30%, 20%, 25%. If you're... 
Yeri Mina, if you're Abdul Decore, are you be going to go in full pelt? No chance. Absolutely no chance. And I'm not saying Chester were at full pelt either, because they obviously weren't. But you, you get what I'm trying to say. It's almost just a training game. It's not even classed as a friendly. It's classed as a training game. You turn up to Finch Farm. It's a lot of stop starts. It's a lot of stop start, yeah. a little drinks break here and there. Roll on, roll off subs almost. It's very, very relaxed. But it was all just to get Dominic Cavalier back into some sort of match day mode and get him running into the right areas, get him feeling the ball again, playing tight with centre-halves. People may say, why not play a training game against each other? I get that. But Dominic Carver-Lewin is going to be treated by Connor Cody a little bit differently than he's going to be treated by an outside defender from another club. It's just that different feel, unknown. So it was really important for Carver-Lewin to come through that unscathed. He has come through unscathed. Ignore the result. Let's be honest, if Everton go win at Crystal Palace 1-0, are we are going to be talking about that Chester game? Absolutely not. I'm blaming Kevin, to be honest. Yeah, been, yeah, I, I, I think defeat. I'm the difference, yeah. <laughs> well, well, and I wanted to ask you, Ben, so you have that a training match like that the law it's a loss but it's it's not does that roll off your back like a, a water on a duck or does that have an effect on are the players going to go well geez we've we've gone out and we've we've tanked one against you know a team that we should league. be rolling on yeah. I, you know I, I think it is water of a duck's back for me i just see it as as it is a training game you know we have won some we have lost some the problem that comes with it is evertonians are very reactionary they see things like that, and especially when you get big accounts on Twitter pushing Everton got beat by National League, Chester, Chester City, 1-0 with X, Y, and Z playing. And let's get it right, there was seasoned internationals in that team. But as Bobble quite rightly said, it wasn't put on for that sort of thing. So maybe did he want to build momentum and get a few wins? Yes. But again, it was at the players who are amongst the Everton squad, but they're not necessarily first team stars. As you look at, obviously, Yerry Mina hasn't really featured under Sean Dice. Mason Holgate hasn't featured under Sean Dice. Decore suspended, so it's minutes for him. Dominic Calvert Lewin's played 60 minutes. Ellis Sims has had a bit of a cameo appearance. It's not as if you're playing a, a full strength squad, it's not 100%. So. For me, obviously, I've got the hat to talk to in regards to who obviously sent me the team sheet and stuff, and which caused a bit of a talking point on Twitter. Um, but you know, as as we spoke about, we it, it is what it is. It's one nil. It's sixty five minutes for Dominic Calvert Lewin. It would have been nice to win. It's always nice to see Everton win, regardless of who's it against, what the how it's rolled on. But look. It's a training game. It's a training game for a reason. There's a lot of stop starts. There's obviously a lot of drinks breaks. There's obviously a lot of, basically, like you'll probably know, timeouts. So yeah. basically come in, talk a few tactics through. Let's talk about this set piece. That's how it is. Sometimes it's at the end of a training session. So they've trained with the first team and then they'll go, right, we've got a training game now against uh, Chester to then stretch the legs. That's how stuff like this works. It's football. It happens quite a lot. I think we played... Stockport, I think, a few years ago, um, and we won that 2 0. I think Bernard scored a couple, and one of my mates actually played in that game. and He was saying it is so relaxed. Mm. Um, you know, it's normally inside at Finch Farm, it's not normally outside. So he said it's just like the ball keeps rolling. It's roll on, roll off subs. He played it like it was his World Cup final. He said he wants, he'd never been played against Devon. Probably his only opportunity to play against the likes of, I think it was Bernard and players like that were playing, who he said was absolutely ridiculous on the day. He said he was that good. Um, 
but yeah, it, it is what it is. Water for Ducks back for me, but it's just not nice to see Twitter implode mm. on just a normal Tuesday afternoon as always. One normal day on social media, that's all I ask for. <laughs> but Bobble, injuries, obviously we go to Crystal Palace the weekend. Any updates regards to, obviously Seamus Coleman, I would do Onana. You know, we need these players back soon. Yeah, Onana's back in training. That's the main thing. He'll obviously be assessed ahead of Crystal Palace, but he's back in training. Seamus Coleman's not ready, as Sean Dodge alluded to in his press conference. His hamstring is just a little bit tight, a little bit sore, and he hasn't returned to training just yet. Carvalho is back in full training, so again, it's up to Sean Dodge whether he's going to throw him in, put him on the bench. That's up to up to the manager. Um, Decore is obviously still suspended. He's back for Newcastle, which would be a huge boost to have him back. He was arguably our most informed player when he got suspended, and he's probably the one player that's probably benefited the most since Sean Deitch has came back in his career, looked done at Everton, Decore, yeah. looked done, finished. Um, Deitch came in, gave him a lifeline and he grabbed it with both hands. It was just such a shame that Decore reacted the way he did against Tottenham. We needed him, we've missed him the last three games, or two games, but now it's going to be third, three games. We've missed him, we need him back. So it's good to have him back for Newcastle. So all in all, it's not a bad clean bill of health. It's not bad. The physio room is not too bad. Andros Townsend, I've, I've touched on him a lot, don't expect to see him now from now to the end of the season. His injury's still ongoing. He had a couple of setbacks. Um, I think everyone's just pleased with Andros Townsend at some point when he can return to football, whether that's at Everton or another football club in the lower league or, or abroad, wherever that may be. It's just been nice to see Townsend back on the pitch because he's a top fella, Andros Townsend, top pro, top fella, great guy in the dressing room, travels home and away with Everton, with the team. Um, and if he was fit, he probably would have featured a little bit under Deutsch because you can trust Townsend. Unlike Damari Gray, who's not trusted on the wing by Deutsch. Hence why he always plays up front and Awebi McNeil always cover the flanks. Yeah. If Andros Townsend was fit, you may be able to switch things a little bit more because Townsend is, is a bit like Awebi. You can trust him in certain scenarios, especially defensively looking after your fullback. Andros Townsend does that very well. He puts the team first, shall I say, rather than his personal accolades. Um, but yeah, whether we'll see him now for the end of the season, I, I very much doubt it. But all in all, it's it's not it's not bad. It's not bad. The physio room's okay. Uh, and after this weekend, like I said, you've going to have Onana, Dominic Carvalho, and Decore. And then uh, first team-wise, it's then just Seamus Coleman, who is it's not a serious hamstring injury, so we shouldn't worry too much about that. Although, of course, he will be a miss for, for Crystal Palace. He's arguably our best fullback. But all in all, it's a pretty good, mate. The physio room's looking healthy for once. <laughs> Kevin, obviously, we are just around the corner from Bramley Moor Dock. Um, you've said you've been down there to visit. We've got a lot of international toffees to tune in. Just how impressive is that ground? You've obviously seen a lot of grounds and stadiums in the States. Obviously, Dan Merce is obviously um, a, a US-based stadium developer. How impressed have you been with Bramley Moore? Yeah, it, it looks like it's it's going to change the entire picture of the waterfront down there. The size of it alone. And, you know, you can't get too close. They, they've got the, you know, it's all, it's all bricked off, but... It, it, it was unbelievable. It kind of, it appears out of nowhere and you're walking toward it and you're still walking toward it and you're still walking <laughs> toward it. So it, it does, it kind of rises, you know, out of, out of the blue and it's it, it, good things on the horizon. I think it, it kind of, you know, it's dark now, but it'll be sunny tomorrow kind of a thing. Can we clarify this? Are we a stone's throw away from me or is it just a bit further? <laughs> Cause I always say we're a stone's throw away from Bramley Moor. You think you could throw a baseball at it? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to update it to where we are a baseballs <laughs> throw away from probably more dogs instead of a stone. <clears throat> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thank you as always, all of you from the Bullens. We are sponsored by the Beer Care Liverpool, seeing the engineering consultants and advanced that build and supplies. Thanks to them for all the support and, of course, to our community of the Patreon members who help us support local charities and pay the bills. If you want to join us and get exclusive access to all our content, as always, there is a link below uh, of this podcast. On to Crystal Palace. So this weekend we go to Selhurst Park. Hopefully a sunny Saturday in London. London Marathon's on Sunday. It's going to be a busy, busy weekend. A bit of drizzle is predicted. Palace have won the last three games and sit 12 in the Premier League, ironically beating Southampton, Leeds and Leicester and doing us a favour, Bobble. What do you think going into this game? It's a different game now than it was a month ago. You know, Crystal Palace were on a 13-game winless run under Patrick Vieira, changed Patrick Vieira, brought in Roy Hodgson, who they know, they trust. And they've won three on the bounce and they've done something that Everton have failed to do. They've beat teams in and around them. And that's all you have to do in this league. If you just beat the teams in and around you, you'll stay up. And Crystal Palace are a living proof of that now. They're nine points clear, sitting in 12th. Probably need one more win just to cement their place in the Premier League for next year with, with seven games remaining. They're, they're, out of the, they're out of the fight. Um, they put Leeds to the sword. It could have been whatever they wanted it to be on that night. It could have been seven, eight, nine. Uh, got a really good result at home to Leicester. They showed a lot of character to win that one last minute, last kick of the game. And they comfortably beat Southampton on the road uh, down south. They won 2-0. They've been pretty good under uh, Hodgson. They've got a new lease of life. Eze, Elise, look, a breath of fresh air down there. They're, they're running teams ragged. They're counter-attacking against teams. It's a difficult game. It's a very difficult game. Um, they punish you, Crystal Palace, if they get these chances. And that's what they're currently doing at the moment. In the Premier League, that's all it takes. A couple of wins on the bounce and you'll find yourselves going from 17th, 18th to 13th, 14th and you'll find yourself four, five, six points above the drop. Again, Crystal Palace are proving to all the other teams in and around that relegation fight, put a couple of wins together and you'll get yourself out of it. If Everton win back-to-back games, say against Palace and Newcastle respectively, you'll find yourselves probably out of the fight because you'll find yourselves maybe eight points clear of Southampton, six ahead of Leicester, five above of Forest. You probably need one more win then to cement yourself being in the Premier League. So Crystal Palace have proven to all the other clubs, no matter how bad your run has been previously, get it right now, from now to the end of the season, and you will stay up. So I know we're all feeling down. I know many Evertonians are looking down the, staring down the barrel. They're thinking the worst. Everton are capable of putting a couple of games together. They are, especially under Sean Dyche. He's proven that. He has proven it. These players have got it in themselves to get a couple of wins on the bounce. If they do that, they'll be fine. They'll stay up because the league is poor. Leeds have conceded 11 in two games. Leicester can't buy a win. Southampton can't buy a win. Forest's home form's deserted them. They can't win on the road and now their home form's evaporated. They're dropping like a stone. Just get a grip, put your heads together, set the team up right, Sean Dyche, get them right, get them prepped and the players then have got to go apply themselves correctly 
execute the game plan. And you know what? A couple of wins, mate, back to back, and you'll find ourselves out of this fight. And we can then maybe all look back and think, you know what? We'll be okay now. But proof's in the pudding. It's a difficult game. I think before kickoff, you'd probably take a point. Whether that'll be enough to avoid Everton dropping into the relegation zone after the weekend's games, I'm not sure. Other teams have still got to play, of course. But a point, four points from Newcastle Palace coming up, two games, Saturday, Thursday. I think four points would be a very good return. Yeah, it, and it will be. And I'm sick of actually looking at everyone's fixtures at three o'clock in the morning, struggling to sleep. So as soon as we're safe, the better. Yeah, tired of hoping United win, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Cheering on right. certain yeah. teams, yeah. which is just absolutely unheard of. And at the end of the season, I'm blaming Everton fully. <laughs> but Kevin, obviously, one of the main issues and pressing issues that we spoke about on this podcast amongst his Everton team is the full-back areas, yeah. right-back and left-back. Who Obviously, Seamus Coleman is now out. Sean Dice has confirmed that. Who would you play on the fullback front? Well, well, I, I, from my memory, at the beginning of the season, we couldn't get enough of Patterson. We loved Patterson. He was playing. He was running. He was. I think he had an assist or something. You know, he was in in the games. And then everyone was a little nervous that Coleman might not be able to carry that flag. And and now he's been in such good form that I, don't, I think that Patterson has got the legs. He's young enough. He's going to run the whole game. He seems to be a hard worker. Uh, and then I guess, I guess it all depends on the system because if Mikalenko's in there, it's going to be way more defensively minded. He's not, I mean, he gets up, but he's not going to get up as much. So, I mean, I think if we want, uh, you know, the typical one, nothing or the zero, zero, maybe Mikalenko and Patterson and you let one run and you let the other not have to track so much. Yeah, I think in regards to Michelinco, he probably is suited to, to Sean Dice's system if we are going for that low block, which I think we probably will. I've banged the drum for Ben Godfrey at mm. left-back for a while, um, but I think the past two the two games recently have been absolutely horrendous. I think at United, it was extremely poor, and I think at right-back against Fulham, he got ripped apart by a 36-year-old William, <laughs> um, who was one of the best players on the pitch on Saturday. Um, obviously, Bobble Dice at his press conference. He spoke about DC and said he was certainly being the thinking. As I've just touched on, Seamus Coleman is out and Decore is serving his final game. Ruben Venegra injured. We haven't seen him since Fleetwood back in, well, when was that? August, September. <laughs> it's um, it's confusing, isn't it? But Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you know, certainly being the thinking, would you play him? I've spoken about it on another podcast with yourself, Ben. Uh, I, I sound like I'm beating the drum again. You have to trust them, the manager, the medical team, and also the player. If the player thinks he can only play 30 minutes and you can't start him, it's as simple as that. But if he feels he can maybe give you 60, 70 minutes, then the manager has a decision to make, doesn't he? Um, and like Kevin so rightly said, at, at some point, you're going to have to roll the dice and think, you know what, we're running out of games. We now need to get our best players on the pitch and patch them up and just get them through games. Ultimately, if Dominic Cavalier maybe plays four or five games from now to the end of the season, he's going to give us a chance in picking up more points than without him. I'd love to see him start. It's unlikely that he's going to start in reality. It's unlikely. Um, I think him being on the bench and maybe giving us 10, 15, 20 minutes would be a big plus going into Newcastle at home. He'd then have another three training sessions, I think it is, after Saturday before Newcastle with a couple of days off. So that would be quite important for him. Um but just him back in and around the first team, it's massive. It's massive. It's like I previously said, it keeps other teams honest, keeps other teams' managers honest. It means they can't make a change. If Everton and a nil-nil with, with Crystal Palace for argument, say with 75 gone, it may keep Roy Hodgson honest in terms of not taking a centre-half centre half off and going for it. 
with him in the back of his mind thinking, well, if I take a centre-half off and go for it, Everton might throw on Calvert-Lewin, it might leave us exposed. So it keeps questions, question marks there. And I think that's really important. Everton's issue is we haven't been able to ask these questions of clubs because our bench options are so limited. Clubs know they can go for it against Everton because we don't have any answers. There's nothing on the bench. We can't counter it. Well, with Calvert-Lewin on the bench, you can now counter that. And I think that's really important to have options on the bench for that very reason. And as much as we may think, well, it doesn't affect the 11 on the pitch, who's on the bench? Sometimes football is a game of chess and managers are trying to outwit each other quite often. So you watch, sometimes clubs won't make a change until another club's made a change first and then they'll counter it. So sometimes it is a game of chess. So to have an option on the bench like Calvert-Lewin, even maybe just for one game before he then comes back into the starting 11, it's massive, absolutely massive. And what a boost. What a boost to have your number nine back for the running now. Um, yeah, it's great to have him back and fingers crossed he now can just hit the ground running for as many games as he can because we're going to need him, mate. We need him, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, my thoughts on it, Sean Dyche has to set the players up well. I think we've alluded to on previous podcasts in regards to the 4-4-2 against Manchester United and Fulham. Did not work. Players didn't look suited and other areas got exposed, especially in midfield. Uh, uh, positions and part of the pitch where we've looked quite solid has been the midfield. You know, we've compacted it with Decore, Onana and Idrissa Garner game. We look solid, compact, they work together. Decore suddenly gets suspended for three games and it kind of goes out the window. So it's imperative that Sean Dice gets this right, I think, on Saturday. You've got to go free in the middle, stop the counter, be hard to beat, go back to basics. And we are swiftly moving on to prediction time. I've had my prediction time on another podcast. I've said 1-1. As always, people that follow this podcast for a number of years, I don't think I've ever got one right. So, Kevin, I'll start with you. Crystal Palace against Everton, Sellers Park, Saturday. What are your prediction? I, I want to say 2-1, Everton. And it'll be... Who's scoring? Oh, who's scoring? I think it'll be... <laughs> who's scoring? I think uh, Onana might nick one early. And I think... If Calvert-Lewin shows up, he might get the second. I'd absolutely love that. And Bobble, what are your thoughts? 2-2. Two, two. Desmond, 2-2. Two, two. Again, who's scoring? 2-2. <laughs> two, two. Um, Dwight McNeil and James Tarkovsky. 2-2. Two, two. And I'm going to go for Dwight McNeil in a 1-1. One, one. Thanks for all for listening as always. All the links to our social media and Patreon are below. Get in touch, give us a review, subscribe and have a good week. Up the toffees, stay safe and all the very best.